Matthew chapter 14, starting verse 13. It says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals." But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake, and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men, beside women and children. And we'll pray again. Lord, I just as we turn to your word this morning, I just ask that you would um, guide our, our thoughts, guide our hearts, Lord, towards you and towards your truth and your word, and help us to grow in this time, Lord. Help me to be clear in the things that I say, that they would also be a, a help this morning in some way. I just pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And so, it's interesting, as Jesus learns about the death of John the Baptist, verse 13, it begins immediately following that, that when he heard of it, he departed by a ship into a desert place apart. Jesus wanted to be alone at that moment. Jesus knew John the Baptist not. It doesn't seem like they spent a lot of time together, but they had certainly met on, I think, more than one occasion. But Jesus knew who John the Baptist was. He knew his ministry. And when he heard of him being killed, he wanted to be alone. He wanted what appears to be a time to mourn the loss of this beloved individual. And it says he went by a ship. And in the same verse, it says... When the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Isn't that incredible? That these crowds of people, and we get a number as we see how many get fed. 5,000 men plus women and children. There's a lot of people. (laughs) And Jesus heads out in a boat, and when they find out where he is, it's like they're walking the shoreline, keeping an eye on the boat, just to be able to be where he is when he comes back to shore. That's a love 
and a desire to be where Jesus is. I you look at this, it's it reminds me of the people of Israel when they're leaving Egypt and they're now wandering in the wilderness for this 40 years. The Bible describes that when this pillar of cloud during the day and this pillar of fire that stood over the tabernacle, when it moved, the people moved. And when it stayed still, they would set up camp and remain there until that pillar moved again. And it didn't matter where they were, what the conditions were. When that moved, they moved. And where it stopped, they stopped. And this is like these people following Jesus. When he moved, they moved. And when he stopped, they stopped to listen to the words that he had to say. And I see the situation here is it's described as a desert place. There's, a, there's nothing here. It's like the field behind us, this open field. And it's far from town. There's no food available. There's nothing, there's no shelter available. But these people, they don't care that that's the case. They've left their home, they've left their comforts, I'm guessing many of them have left their work behind so that they could follow Jesus. They've sacrificed whatever was at home, whatever their normal life contained, they left it behind to follow Jesus. Isaiah 51 verse 3 says, For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He, he will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. What an interesting verse. Like Her waste places, her wilderness will be like Eden, desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. It doesn't matter what the physical conditions were like. When these people had Jesus, there was joy and gladness. It was like the Garden of Eden. It was just joy to be with the Lord. Do we treat God like that? Do we treat, do we consider leaving behind all of the comforts of life to seek after Jesus? Are we willing to walk away from our, our home, from our job, from our family, to be with Jesus? Are we willing to leave the comfort of our shelter and our bed, the security of the food that we have, just to be with Jesus? These people had no food. And the disciples are saying to Jesus, 
you need to send them to go get food because they won't even leave you to feed themselves. They won't leave this desert place to get food and shelter because Jesus is there. Are we like that? In Psalm 78, there's a question asked. It says, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? We see here in verse 15, it says, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves. They need to go buy food. <laughs> but Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye, give ye them to eat. You can give them food. Remember when we were looking at John chapter 4 when the disciples came back to the well? And Jesus says, I have food that you know not of. <laughs> and they're questioning among themselves, did somebody come and feed him? It's like, no, nobody came and fed him. He, his food was to preach the gospel to this woman, to minister to this woman. And they, they, they have a hard time learning this. <laughs> but it, it's like, these people don't care about their belly right now. They're being fed spiritually by having Jesus there. And Now they think the physical need is important and they're trying to send them away. But Jesus says they don't need to leave. You can feed them. It was like that question in Psalms. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? If you want to turn with me, I'm going to go back to First uh, Kings. And look at a story there of Elijah. First Kings chapter 17. Starting in verse 8. Well, I'm going to start in verse 8, yeah. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. He rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. 
For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she did, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. God is able to furnish a table in the wilderness. And this isn't even the whole story. If you read the beginning of the chapter, we get this interaction between Elijah and King Ahab. And this is the time when Elijah prophesies and prays to the Lord to stop the rain. And he tells Ahab, it's not going to rain until I pray for it to rain again. And God sends Elijah to um, a brook called Kareth. It's near Jordan. And God fed him, having ravens bring him bread, and he could drink out of this brook. And it wasn't until the brook dried up that he gets up and God tells him to go to this woman's house. God already furnished a table in the wilderness for Elijah. God took care of him. I don't know how long it takes from the time it stops raining till a, a brook dries up. But typically that would take a while. <laughs> he I don't it doesn't give us any time frame. It just says says that after a while the brook dried up. God fed him and watered him and took care of him through this drought. And then he sends him to this woman's house. And he takes care. God multiplies that and takes care and feeds not just Elijah, but also this widow woman and her son. And it says her household, and it almost implies like there was more people gathered into that house. I wonder if more people didn't find out that there was food in this house and they gathered there to share in that food. It didn't really specify, but it just says that those in her household ate. When you look at the story, this woman, she's preparing her last meal, the last bit of food that she has for her and her son to eat, and expects to starve to death from that time on. And Elijah comes along and asks her, first for a drink of water, and she goes to do it. She, she stops what she's doing, preparing this last meal, and I'm sure they've been stretching this food as long as they could. They're probably hungry this last little bit of food, and she pauses that to go and get a, a drink of water from the well for this man who just comes along and asks for some water. And when she goes to do it, he says, can you feed me too? And she explains to him, this is the last of my food. We're just gathering together, preparing to make this last little bit of food 
so we can eat it, and then we're going to die. And he says, well, make me some first. But he didn't just leave it at that. He gave her the promise. He told her that God has promised that he's going to supply your needs if you do this. And she believed him. Or at very least, she was willing to share that last little bit of food that she had. She did what he asked, and she prepared the food for him first, and gave him something to eat first. And then God furnished the table in the wilderness for her and for her family and for him. And that barrel of meal, that whether it's flour or whatever, whatever it is that she had to make up for food, and a little bit of oil, never went empty. I can imagine, can you imagine going day after day, and I'm sure this thing never filled full. She probably every day scraped the bottom of the pot <laughs> to make the, the meal. And every time, there's enough there to make the food that they need to eat. We've talked with some of us looking around the world and people, different people are predicting the end of the world and all these disasters and droughts and famines and all this terrible things and possible, you know, another depression like the, the Great Depression of the 30s and, and all these terrible things that might come to pass. And you start talking about you know, what would you do in, if this happens? And the question was asked, if somebody shows up at your door because they know you had food set aside, are you going to send them away? This woman had consumed everything that she had, and this guy shows up at her door asking her to share the very last meal that they have. And she was willing. Are we willing to sacrifice the last of what we have to give to somebody else? Jesus is asking the disciples to do the same. They have five loaves and two fishes. And he says, you feed them. You don't have to send them away. Can you imagine looking at 5,000 plus people and you have a bag lunch and someone says, feed them. <laughs> okay, here's your crumb. <laughs> well, apparently they break off a, a reasonable piece for each person and it just continued to supply the need. God was able to furnish a table in the wilderness Now, is the point of the story about the feeding of the people? That's what we, it, it's a great Sunday school story. We all know the story. Any kid who's ever been to Sunday school for more than a couple of weeks has heard this story. But is the point of the story 
that Jesus fed the people. I would, maybe you're saying yes, but I would argue that it's not. I would argue, if we look back, verse 14, it says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. Jesus was moved with compassion for the people because he loved them. They were sacrificing to be there with him. And he just loved them and wanted to take care of them. And he didn't want to send them away. I think that's the point of the story, is that Jesus didn't want to send these people away from him that were desiring so badly to be where he was. And so he just commands, don't send them away. Feed them yourselves. When we think of that, I, a quote from Desmond Tutu came across um, through, a, through the clergy coaching network that some people question why I continue to read it. But it just gives me, gives me fuel to preach from, I think, mostly. This quote says, I don't preach a social gospel. I preach the gospel, period. The gospel is concerned with the whole person. And if he stopped talking at that moment, I would say, praise the Lord, that's a great statement. But he made the mistake of continuing to speak. And he says, when people were hungry, Jesus didn't say, now is that political or social? He said, I feed you. Because the good news to a hungry person is bread. Pardon me? <laughs> The good news to a hungry person is bread. That's the gospel to a starving person is here's some food. What about their soul? Amen. Jesus fed these people, but that wasn't the message. The message is that he was the Christ. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to feed you bread and fish, to fill your belly. He came to give you the gospel, to save your soul. The gospel isn't feeding the hungry. Feeding the hungry is something we're supposed to do that provides an opportunity to share the gospel. Jesus performing a miracle of feeding these thousands of people wasn't the end of the story. It was just showing that he was who he claimed to be. And it was showing his love for these people and his compassion for them as they strove to be where he was. And he just he showed them that he was the Christ. He was the Messiah that he claimed to be. He had the power, and he did indeed want them to be there and to hear the message that he had to preach. First Corinthians 13, verse 3, says, this is the chapter of, of love, but it, 
there's a statement in here. It says that though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And I would extrapolate on that that it profits the people nothing that get fed either. It only fills their belly for a moment, but it doesn't do anything for their eternal soul. Feeding the poor isn't a wrong thing to do. It is a right thing to do, but it's not the end of the story. It's not the whole message. And if you stop there, you have failed those people. If you want to turn with me, I'm going to go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked, and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what did the profit? In other words, if someone is in need and has a physical need, they, they're hungry, <laughs> well, just giving them a spiritual blessing, saying, be filled. Here's the gospel, be filled. But you don't give them what they need physically, that's not right either. <laughs> Verse 17 says, even, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, may, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. If Desmond Tutu is the man saying, I have works, because that's all he's pointing to at this point, is the gospel being that of giving food. He has works. The question is, can you show me your faith without your works? The words out of his mouth don't show faith in Christ as his Savior. But the answer says, show me thy faith without thy works. If works is all you have, you have nothing to show when I take that away. It says, I will show thee my faith by my works. I have faith, but if I don't do good, my faith. Verse 17 says, Faith, if it hath not works, is dead. I need works. I need to do these things. But those things are not in replacement of the faith. They're not a replacement of the gospel. It's in addition to. It's the evidence of. It's how we reach people. We sang that song this morning. They'll know we're, we are Christians by our love. 
but it's not just love and good works. It's the gospel. The gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In Philippians chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 9, says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would, I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's the point of our works. It's so that people see us. <laughs> they see a changed person. They see a new creature in us that's been changed by Christ. And we do good works so that people can see us. Paul even pointed to the things that happened to him. He's in jail. He's being imprisoned for his faith. And he says it's all for the purpose of presenting the gospel. That people can see Christ and we can present salvation to these people. In the Gospel of John, the very end, after Jesus' resurrection, in chapter 21, Jesus is showing himself to the disciples. Verse 14 says that this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Then it goes on to say, So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. 
Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. I can assure you Jesus was not talking about bread and fish. Jesus is talking about feeding people with the word of God. Hebrews talks about the sincere milk of the word and compares in-depth study of the Bible to eating strong meat (laughs) and that you need to grow up in maturity as a Christian to be able to handle eating those lessons, to be able to understand these in-depth teachings of the Bible. But Jesus is telling Peter, you need to feed my sheep. You need to feed people the gospel. You need to feed them the word of God. First Peter chapter 2 starting in verse 2 says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious this is the food that we need to eat. And in Second Peter Second Peter chapter three <clears throat> verse seventeen says ye therefore beloved seeing ye know these things before Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Don't be led away with the error of the wicked, feeding the hungry, and proclaiming that that is the gospel message to them, that because food to the hungry is good news. Well, yeah, it's good news that you're bringing them food, but there's better, more important news that you need to bring as a Christian. And if you're only providing bread and water, that's not sufficient He describes this as being led away with the error of the wicked. It says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we need to feed people is the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to to eat of the word of God and grow in that knowledge. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we just again thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, the payment for our sins that he took on the cross, Lord God, that we can have that forgiveness through faith in him. Lord, help us to be diligent in giving 
that message to people as we demonstrate the love of Christ, even in feeding and providing for their physical needs, Lord. Help us to learn these lessons, we pray in Christ's name.